doing things out of alignment with who I am, I'm uncomfortable, I'm upset, I'm angry. And the moments where people have helped me see who I was and just kind of give me a little shove back in, I am happy. I don't know if you're gonna see this voice moment, but I thought I was happy. Are, are you happy? I'm not happy at all. The question is, are you happy? I'm the happiest I've ever been happy? right now. Yes. Be the person who you'd want to meet because somebody needs you. Welcome to Are You Happy? The Happy Hour. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Are You Happy? Podcast. As you know, lately, we've been diving to the business world, and it's going to be something that we do every Monday. So get ready for some amazing profiles and questions with some awesome people. Not only are we learning about their business, but we're also learning about what it is that makes them happy. So let's find out. Having lived in the Philippines for a period of time, Mia worked with a Nobel Peace Prize winner before they won. But not only that, she's amazing and she has million dollar ideas and she is taking over the world with ClickFoyant as their CEO. So without further ado, Mia, how are you today? I'm amazing. Thank you for that wonderful intro, Vanessa. I'm going to have to transcribe that and put that on all my bios. Thank you so much for being here. We are so happy to meet you. And not only that, but I find it so inspirational and so amazing when I see other females doing amazing things all over the world. So thank you for being awesome. Please tell us what has life been like as a CEO for ClickVoyance? Yeah. First of all, if anybody who knows me, Vanessa, knows that my love language is adventure. And so, you know, I grow up like surfing, skiing, snowboarding. And so running a startup is almost an extension of that extreme lifestyle. I think that when we first started out of the gate saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to build this company and we're going to raise a million dollars. The first person I told that I was going to raise a million dollars laughed. <laughs> just laughed at me. And not because he was just like, oh yeah, sure, Mia, you're going to raise a million dollars. But because that I would vocalize something like that, that, that those words would come out of my mouth is what was humorous to him. And I'll say that the, you know, the, the startup life, while people talk about it in often pejorative terms, like, oh, it's like, you're going to get burnout. You're going to get this. It sucks. It's harder. I two founders said I've climbed Mount Everest and running a startup is harder. It's not untrue, Vanessa, but I think that my perspective of it is that it is an adventure and because you're learning so much every day about, you know, I mean, I was a director of analytics at an agency making a very cushy, like 300K a year. And, you know, it took a a 60% pay cut. No, more than that. Like I can, I can only do analytics and spreadsheets in Python. So pardon me if I can't do it in my head, but basically taking the pay cut to, to run the startup business. It's yeah. I mean, it takes a certain amount of grit, excitement, and passion for what you do to be able to get over what is perceived to be difficult. And would you say that for everyone that that difficulty is defined differently? So for someone with experience in business or experience in working in an industry where, you know, they're at these top level positions and then going to an everyday person who just has that passion, but doesn't know what to do with it. And so they decide, what the heck, I'm just going to do this. Like, do you think that the level of difficulty is different for everybody? Yes. I think the level of difficulty really depends on the kind of character that you have. So a lot of things go wrong when you're running a startup. 
on almost a daily basis. I don't know if you've ever seen Silicon Valley. Oh, it, my favorite. Yes. I just started watching that. And it it really feels like every day something is, there's a new yes. challenge that's getting in your way toward progress. It isn't like we're going to do this and we're going to raise the money and we're going to build the code and it's going to go so smoothly. You know, we're going to unicorn in five years. That's obviously the plan. But it rarely happens like that. And so if you are the type of person who, you know, gets angry over things or blames other people, or you are not emotionally and socially aware of what you did to contribute to that situation, and you don't have a good sense of humor about yourself, then you're going to really struggle in startup world. I think the other things are an ability to communicate. I got to give it up to honestly, my speech and debate coaches of Chesterton, Indiana high school, (laughs) because they really taught me how to tell a story, tell it succinctly. And that training, it lends itself to me being successful in business and sales and fundraising. So if you find yourself like finding it difficult to articulate yourself as a person, then you're going to struggle as well. Now, all of this is surmountable. There are coaches, there's training, and there's all kinds of things that everybody can grow. I firmly believe that. But when you have sort of these things that are already, the foundation has been laid for you, for those things that I talk about, storytelling, emotional intelligence, a willingness to accept the adventure, it's going to be easier on that person. And is there a certain memory or experience that stands out for you when you think about those times where things just went totally sideways, but something happened where things just turned the corner based on how you perceive the situation and how you got yourself out of that to getting you know back to where you needed to be to, to successfully create this company? Yeah, this is happening right now, actually. So, I mean, I'm sure that you have seen all of the layoffs and the restructuring that are happening in the technology sector. We're we're not better than that either. We had to go through some restructuring of ClickBoyant. And it was really difficult emotionally to, you know, say goodbye to people that you have enjoyed working with, who have helped you along that path to growth, but just aren't right for right now. And that was a new experience for me as a manager. I mean, even though I've been in digital marketing analytics for 15 years, I've never had to play CEO. And one of the advisors slash investors that we have said, I sat in on your last board meeting and I think you're giving away your power. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I think that you are placing your value and self-worth in the hands of the people that you've had to make decisions about. But the reality is that you are a business leader and you have the power to think abundantly that the people who you know, might have to leave ClickVoyant are going on to something even greater from here, that you are not the cause, that the universe is actually aligning everybody into where they need to be. And if you come from a scarcity mindset, of course, you're going to take on all of the responsibility of that. But if you stand in your power and say, this is what is right for us, this is what is right for ClickVoyant now and you, then the abundance mindset will say more money is coming in revenue And all of these people will move on to their next phases and be happier and more abundant in that role. So I think that that was one thing that I told her, this felt like a spiritual chiropractor session. And, you know, right after that, 
spiritual chiropractor session, all the good things started to happen to clairvoyant. What are some of those good things? You know, I feel all of this is when you focus on a growth mindset, you're like, okay, these problems that we're encountering today are all solvable if we just get together and say, okay, let's put our heads together. Let's lock arms and fix it. And that is, I got a shout out to Mert Isseri, who was from Texar, Chicago, where we just graduated from. And one of his company cultures was no blame. When something goes wrong, you lock arms, you figure it out and you work on it together. And when that happens, everybody feels like a team. They're There's no, you know, no blame place. We're just like fixing problems in the company and every little step that you make, you grow. So we added a chief technology officer who's kicking butt. We're closing more deals. We're closing more partnerships. And that all feels great because, you know, this is the year for startups to really focus on profitability versus what we've historically been focused on, which is growth at all costs. And I think that my natural tendencies is to lean towards profitability. And there was some trepidation about like, you have to 10X every year and unicorn, regardless of what your balance sheets look like. And that's just not me. You know, I mean, I grew up in spreadsheets when I wanted a bike. My mom was like, okay, well get out Excel in the weeks and your allowance and find when you're going to get your bike. And that is really how I, how I naturally am as a founder. So I'm really happy that the fundraising environment is looking for businesses that are focused and profitability. And so you shouted out a few people now. That's wonderful. I'm so glad that you had these people to support you and help teach you and mold you even as far back as your school days. Are there other people in your professional life that have kind of helped you to see that next step for you? Like, for instance, I'm thinking about when you worked for your other company and you were, you know, doing your spreadsheets and your coding and then versus being a CEO now, those are two different mindsets. And sometimes it takes a long time to get out of that mindset from being the employee to now being, you know, the one leading the ship. So I guess are there other people that helped you in that transition to get from that mindset of being on that mid-level to being like the top tier I mean, I don't know if I can really pinpoint a particular person who has helped me. I really feel like the community that I've built over, you know, a 16-year career is the series of shoulders that I stand on to see farther. And when you ask me that question, all of these vignettes start to pop in my head, right? Like, There was one person, you know, Shayna Boone, who is now like managing director of PhD in Chicago, another big media agency. One time I was telling her as a junior or I was like more mid-level manager, I said, you know, now that I'm in the management role, I feel like I'm the slowest analyst ever. And she'd said to me, you know what, Mia, anybody can learn a tool. It's possible for most people to learn tools. And you are the only one on the team who innovates. And so I need you to spend your time there thinking about that because that's who you are and that's your strength. And that was definitely a moment when I felt okay to not be the worker bee in these tools every day, executing like awesome stuff, honestly. But it was okay for me to take a step back from that day-to-day grind to dream. And I think that there are many other instances like that just events like that in my life that have helped me more realize who I actually am. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's not just one person, but it's a culmination of all of them. And it's so true. It's so very true. So all that to say, previous experience included up until now, are you happy? Well, I I was just thinking about this. Happiness to me is like 100% in alignment with who you are. 
When I'm 100% in alignment with who I am, I am happy. When I'm doing things out of alignment with who I am, I'm uncomfortable, I'm upset, I'm angry. And the moments that we just talked about where people have you know, helped me see who I was, whether it was an advisor, investor to say, you seem like you're giving your power away, or, you know, my old boss who said, you are an innovator. You don't need to be in the dashboards all the time. Like all these moments when somebody else could see me out of alignment and just kind of give me a little shove back in. And so over the course of, you know, 45 years, <laughs> I learned to kind of do that on my own and recognize when I'm out of alignment. So I will say like, I'm happy for the most part. A lot of people were, oh God, that was so hard. How did you do that? You raised a million dollars and had a baby at the same time. How did you do that? You laid off people and you're still going to click point. How do you do that? I'm just like, just how I do everything, man. Just, you know, I choose to be joyful. I think that happiness is a choice. It's not what people give you, do to you, say to you. It's like, okay, I'm going to choose to be in alignment every day. I'm going to choose to bring my energy back every day and choose to be joyful. So yes, I am happy. For other people that are listening and they're probably thinking, well, how do you do that? How do you, how do you choose to be joyful? How do you choose to be aligned or how do you choose? What would you tell them? Well, there's this concept of, there's two concepts. One is scientific and one is metaphysical. So the first part is every morning, I I believe in energies being transferred and the quantum mechanics between human beings. And so every morning I sit down and I call back my energy and say to myself that this is me, this is mine. I'm going to start the day completely whole. That leads to happiness. In addition, the scientific approach is to dance. So every morning I have three daughters, which is amazing. And we spend the morning dancing and that kind of releases this sort of serotonin. I'm also breastfeeding. That also releases serotonin into your body in the morning. And I don't know what I'm going to do when my baby weans, but I'll have to figure it out. I, just, I do what I can do every morning to release the serotonin, to just keep my body and my mind in the joyful state before I begin. And when I start to get frustrated about anything, or I, I also like, you know, try to take a step back and, and get myself back into that place of joy before I continue anything else. So I don't, I don't suppress stress. I don't suppress anger. I, I definitely like release all of it out as, as much as possible. So those are my two approaches. I think those are wonderful. Those are very, very good approaches. And I think that everyone could find a way to apply those. So thank you for that. When it comes to your company, Clickvoyance, we found on, on LinkedIn just a little bit about it, that it is a no-code data science platform, not science, science, no-code data science platform for the everyday marketer. What does that mean? Well, we've been known to get insights pretty fast out of data that people think that we might be psychic. So we can say it's also a seance. Just to level set on the entire marketing industry right now, there is a bunch of technologies out there that are used to get in touch with customers, whether it's email marketing, it's text, it's coupons, it's Groupon. And there's so many platforms. I mean, you touch probably at least a hundred a day. And all of that activity is creating mountains of data that brands like Nike, like Facebook, I mean, even imagine like your, your small retail there that you might've bought something on Facebook from that you really love or a small brand makeup company, those brands don't always have the resources to analyze all of that data. 
it requires somebody like me who is trained in analytics to make sense of. And the fact is that all the data scientists in the world, most of them are working on more important stuff <laughs> like climate change or curing cancer. They don't necessarily want to be in marketing. So the marketing space is very devoid of analytics talent. This means that only the largest companies, Fortune 1000 and above, can really afford analytics. So we built Clickvoyant, which is a really a, like a chat GPT of the marketing stack. You can connect marketing data to it, ask it questions on how to improve a thing that you're trying to do, whether it's e-commerce transactions or email signups or schedule a meeting with the podcaster. And then it will tell you all of the things that will help you achieve more of that. And we built it to really level the playing field for the companies that are boxed out of analytics talent. And for people who don't come from the marketing space, but maybe they own businesses that could use these people and people from Clickvoyant that can help them better analyze their data, how would you describe your company to them, like in a, in a more like everyday jargon? Yeah. Well, it's kind of an insight bot that's telling you what to do to grow your company, get more customers, make more revenue. And we originally had designed a lot of the software to function on things like a small Shopify store or a, a garage repair shop that's advertising on Google. When you search for garage repair shop near me, they're paying for ads to get you to come to their shop. And they don't necessarily know. I mean, like that business might know that they're spending $5,000 a month and getting roughly 10,000 back, but they don't know that if they switch from one zip code to the other, they could get 15,000 back. And that's the kind of deep insight that we're providing for small businesses. I have a question for you regarding data in terms of like social responsibility for, for data and for marketing companies. What do you think that that is? Like, do you think that there is a great responsibility that all marketing companies of all kinds should take or think about when they're approaching data? Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit and the reality is that the data analytics space became very predatory in the last decade. When I first started 15 years ago, like the promise of it was so amazing because that meant we were going to be more relevant to our audience. You were going to learn about them and we were going to be more empathetic to the things that made them tick. And then it just ballooned and we, then Cambridge Analytica came and then there was election meddling and all of this other really just sickening activity that was made it very clear that analytics knowledge is kind of like having a master's in the dark arts. And so, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. I'm familiar with that phrase. That, that's very true. And so then, you know, opposite side question, what's, what's your hope? What is your hope for these companies and what they will do next? Because yeah, it started off as something very promising and, and positive and, and something that could be used to help improve humanity, right? as a whole. <laughs> so what do you think is going to be the future? What are your hopes for the future in terms of data? Well, my hope for the future is that there will be more of an empathetic space. Now, you know, I am definitely leaning more of social good type person. It is very clear that the capitalism driven governments are willing to do what they have to do to make sure that lines go up and to the right. My hope though, is that we find ways to give back to users who allow us 
to research upon their data. So I mentioned before that the word data is rooted in the Latin word to give. And with that responsibility of a customer's data, I think that there are so many other platforms out there that are really focused on privacy that will become the bigger and more preferred social media platform. For example, you know, there's one woman, and I can't remember the name of her company right now, but she has a media platform where users opt in. It's a browser that they allow her to track for what they're browsing on and clicking on, and she pays them back. So yes, she sells their data, but she also pays them back. So they own it and they own it. And like, she pays them back in like Bitcoin or something like that. I'm like, that to me is the future that I would like to see. That is interesting for sure. You'll have to let us know what the name of it is so we can mention it. Yes, I'll definitely try to follow up. We, we met one time and never really continued on, but I think people who think like that definitely have to stick together in the data analytics industry. Because again, like when you're knowledgeable in these dark arts, there is an emergence of like Sith versus Jedi. And if you don't stick together, then we're better together. Definitely. And I think if you guys can do amazing, you know, social positive actions, things that will result in very good outcomes for all of us, then that will be worth the journey. And I hold you to it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do it. I love staying accountable. I'll, I will be accountable to you, Vanessa. Oh, I love it. You're, you are just so wonderful. Message to the world. One of our biggest questions and one of my most favorite. What is your message to the world? You've given a lot of messages, but if you could share one about anything, what would that be? Hmm. Man, what do people say when you ask them this question? Various things of all categories. You can quite literally say, you know, anything you want. It's basically saying, hey, you know, what's something you would tell the world right now if you could tell them anything? If there was one thing that I could tell the world, it would be to really focus in and hone in on listening skills. And, you know, I, I apply that to so many things. Like I apply that to when I'm looking at data or doing a data analysis, my listening to people, I apply that to people that I work with. And just having a curiosity of what somebody says, I feel like so many times when you are in a conversation, your brain tries to like fill in the meaning, mm -hmm. right? Fill in the meaning of what this person is saying, fill in the gestalt, the emotions, like you, you make this judgment. But when you're really listening and whether it's data or human conversation or, or reading the news or talking to yourself, when you're really listening, you can get super tuned in and find out things that, yeah, you never knew before. You find those aha moments about yourself when you do, when you, when you listen deeply to yourself and each other. That is an excellent answer. It makes me think of when you're conversing with someone and it's exactly that your brain by no fault of your own is filling in the gaps and telling you, oh, this is what they mean. So then you assume, okay, that's what they mean. But then it, sometimes it's not what they mean and it causes friction or it causes you to get the wrong information. But if we practice that a lot more active listening, really listening, we would, we would definitely get a lot more out of a conversation with the person. Also, we kind of practice that when we are doing, are you happy interviews? Because mm -hmm. in addition to the podcast, there was the documentary and the docu series, which is ongoing. And we interview strangers all over the world about 
happiness, asking them the same questions we asked you. Are you happy? You know, what makes you happy? And then also what is your message to the world? And the stories that they tell are just so interesting. And so to be able to hear their stories and record them and share them with the world on all the platforms with, you know, millions of followers, it's imperative that we listen, actively listening and, you know, listening with your heart and your eyes and your mind at the same time. So we, we definitely take that very seriously when it comes to collecting their story and sharing that with the world, because there's so much to be shared and so much to hear, right? It's been an extreme honor to do that, to share it, and then to interview people on the podcast like yourself. Yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that to hear with your eyes and your heart and your mind, that is the human experience. That is the thing that we've been, that's the gift we've been given is to hear with our heart, our eyes, our mind, and, and everything else is base. I appreciate that, that you said that. And I might, I might just have to write that down after we get off. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we didn't chat about any social profiles? I know we'll, we have you on LinkedIn, anything else that you want to shout out? I mean, I can say if you want to find Mia Yumanos, there's only one on the whole internet and not many people can say that. So just go for it. Find my old SoundClouds from 2016. Just have at it. You made music on SoundCloud or what is Oh, it? no. Just like the, the, the things that you heart, you know, like I'm pretty sure like old MySpace photos are up there. Oh too. <laughs> Don't you just miss Tom? And then when you tell someone about Tom and they're like, what are you talking about? Does he work in HR? Like, who is Tom? Oh. Right. Yeah. No, Tom, the teacher looking backward at you like this over his desk. And we all thought he was real. I wonder where Tom is now. That's what I want to know. Where is Tom? Exactly. Yeah. You got catfished? Shoot. Oh, man. Everyone's first catfish. <laughs> That's so funny. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Thanks again, Mia Umanos of ClickVoyant. You're just amazing. And everyone go click on ClickVoyant. Do it. Clicky, <laughs> clicky. Thanks so much for joining us on the Thanks podcast. Vanessa. See you guys next week for another wonderful episode. Are You Happy Hour and Are You Happy Hotline are brought to you by Are You Happy Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media such as Instagram and subscribe via your favorite podcast platform. Are You Happy, the docuseries can also be found on social media such as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys next time for another wonderful episode of Are You Happy, the Happy Hour.